0: This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org.
1: Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I am Miles Danhausen, Jr., writer and editor of the Peninsula Pulse. And today we're talking restaurants and uh, whatever else comes up here with Scott Watts from Hill Street in Fish Creek. Scott, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for coming in. You barely
2: fit in here. Yeah, it's (laughs) a small room, but we're making it work.
1: Small room, big guy. Yeah. Yeah. You have, for listeners who don't know, Hill Street opened end of last summer? September
2: 1st of last year. Yeah.
1: You had quite. A journey, getting your way to getting those doors open. Yeah. Um, literally not even just like this kind of philosophical life journey to it, but just multiple properties and restaurants to it. Yeah.
2: So when I moved back to Door County, which was, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe, my plan had been to do some kind of restaurant. I had looked at the patio when it was for sale didn't work out, you know, shared septic or something like that. I didn't want to deal with, looked at Carol house. But then shortly after I moved back, I got married into a restaurant family and I just figured two restaurants in one family, unless we're running them together, it's recipe for divorce. So <laughs> I had kind of positioned myself.
1: even if you're running them together, it's a recipe for divorce. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's all right. a
2: recipe for divorce. Yeah, What I, you're doing now is probably a recipe right. for divorce. Yeah, maybe. I hope not, but. The cookery, which is my wife's family's place, wasn't going to be pushed aside, obviously. So I was more than willing to do some other things and turn down some restaurant opportunities or or food truck or whatever. And then when it came time to take over the cookery, that didn't work out. And I won't get into that too much. And then COVID hit. And so we were just like scrambling to be like, well, what are we doing? And the options were leave Door County, basically, or start something else. So... The Fish Creek Grill was for sale, and we closed on that the day that we closed on the property that Hill Street's at.
1: So, you closed on two properties at the same time?
2: Yeah. But had no intention at the time of doing what we did. Had a whole plan of renovations drawn up for the Fish Creek Grill, <clears throat> and we're going to put a coffee shop into what it was, my retail shop. So, the
1: backtrack here. Oh, sorry. Your retail shop was Bison and & Bison. Bison and Bison. Which Bison, was yeah. a great spot for dudes to shop for gifts for dudes, really. <laughs> And or whiskey. women to shop or, for dudes Or, or, or women or, But like for me personally Who's like a terrible gift giver and shopper Right It was like Oh hey I can actually like go in here And I can just buy whatever's in here yeah. And somebody's gonna be happy with it But then So you had that Fishery Grill Is the yep. place that was Across from Gibraltar School yep. Auditorium Older was. folks know it You know depending on what era You started in Door County It was De Marini's Or Portofino Carlos or Bandito's
0: It's
1: like
2: <laughs> um, Going farther back, there's other yeah. ones. But. There's, a, there's a music video shot there from when Sonny's was there. Oh, I totally forgot about the Sonny's there. So there's a music video for all those who care about I won't call
1: it, it an era because I think some of these things weren't long enough to yeah. be an
2: era. They were just like yeah.
1: a, no, moment. There was at least, a moment. There's at <laughs> least
2: 10 restaurants there. <laughs> so you bought a gold mine just yeah. <laughs> winter after winter. Well, and I, I do feel like we could have done something good there, but it was such an old building and construction needs Kind of the writing was on the wall. So so we, we we bought both buildings at the same time. I was going to keep my shop because my side projects were sort of never intended to be the main life force of our family. That was kind of reserved for the cookery. And then when that flopped horribly, <laughs> um, not the restaurant, but our our, Your plans. our succession plans to, took a nosedive. But uh, when that happened, you know, the side projects I had kind of cultivated were useless almost so we had to figure something else out so I was going to keep Bison Bison just make it half the size bring in a coffee shop continue renting um, and then do this restaurant as our main gig and COVID hits and we don't know what labor is going to cost us we don't know what any of these things are going to do and we got the kind of like initial bid and we were just mortified like it wouldn't have been so scary to spend that money on a downtown Fish Creek corner but Spending that on a place that's had turnover after turnover. Yeah. After turnover was like a little bit scary and daunting. And it would have had to be a huge monster restaurant. Yeah. And I think Karin especially was a little bit uh, traumatized from running a large restaurant. Karin
1: grew up in a family yeah. running a large restaurant that breakfast, lunch, dinner, been in that family. Yeah. I mean, 60,
2: they, 60 staff or, or more. Yeah. You know, just sort of, I think she was having some PTSD or not to belittle PTSD, but... No, there, some, is, some there is a restaurant like, version of PTSD yeah, that, yeah. like,
1: I it still wakes me up in the middle of the night. I still have the nightmares of trying to get people out of the bar or people not showing up for work and me being hosed in the kitchen, right? right. Like, there is legitimate family PTSD in terms of going through business with family. Right.
2: And so I think that was part of it. I mean, I think, I I got to be honest, I think money was the biggest part, but also the idea of making it so large. I mean, that was a really sprawling building. It, It was kind of the kitchen was in the middle and then this huge multiple dining areas around.
1: It's how we used to design a lot of restaurants up here because for almost all of Door County's existence until the last 10 years, restaurants had to be everything to everybody. And you had to appeal to the masses and you had to try and get 300 seats filled right. to make it work. It's right. the bowl model. It's the old Husby's model, the old JJ's model. And so you water it all down to hit as many people as possible. Yep. Then you got to staff the heck out of it. And only in the last 10 years, have people tweaked that yep. to
2: something similar where you ended up. Well, and I think too, that it's not just that that was how it was almost how it had to be. Cause you know, it's how the numbers worked. Yeah. You had so many people up here and half the amount of restaurants. So yeah, every restaurant had to do, you know 600 covers a night or four you know whatever the numbers and were. you had to do them in two months right you know okay. you had to do july
1: 1st through yeah. labor day back for so long
2: this is a shockingly odd if you know we you grew up here and i grew up with a bunch of family up here so i'm familiar if you're not familiar with door county and like how the economy works it seems almost insane like i know a chef not i'm not going to name drop anybody but i know well relatively esteemed chef who is just like wait what what are you doing you're gearing up for the season what is that because for him every single night is the same yeah you know he's booked he knows exactly how many covers he's got it whereas for us we're like is june gonna be where i sort of stop hemorrhaging money or (laughs) is that gonna be next month oh
1: we had a bad weekend in june oh line of credit right begging we won't pay that bill this month kind of thing my my wife when I met her and she was working in restaurants and she worked for some really good ones in Chicago and I, I kind of asked her the same thing cause my whole experience in restaurants was this seasonality. Right. So I was like, what's the busy season? She's like, what, what do you mean by season? Right. It's just, we're just always busy. I'm like, so what do you mean? She's like, Well, you just work and in that case, it's fine dining and it was high pressure and it was like, you were lucky to get yeah. your foot in the door. So it was, yeah, we just work 14, 15 hours a day, five days a week, all year long. <laughs> like, well and,
2: and you know the world you know how it is on a small scale like personally if I'm go 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 for a day the second i sit down or or whatever my go 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 ends or it's harder to ramp it back up you know that's and that's just on yeah. a personal like 4 hour scale <laughs> you know if i'm if i'm going to sit down and take a break the chances that i'm going to be nearly as productive as i just was go out the window so now now scale that up to you're dealing with multiple people who haven't maybe worked very much for the last two, three, four, six months, you know. Mm-hmm. So they all have to kind of get in the swing of things, and then
1: you got to train them up.
2: And then you're all of a sudden you're not used to having huge bills due before there's any revenue, and then they start to show up, and you're like, "Oh, we haven't made any money, and I have to pay this out." So <laughs> yeah. it's it's for the people who've been doing it a long time, they've got their system down, but. We're still going to be learning for the next couple of years about how exactly this works. Yeah, how do you fits. manage that cash flow you know, to yeah. make it work?
1: And even, I, I, you're just giving me some flashbacks here of like, all right, it's Memorial. Like, we just had this great weekend. This is awesome. We are so, like, the cash flow is coming in. Right. This is going to be gangbusters. And then the bills for all the food that you sold on Memorial Day come in the next week. Right. And you're like, oh, we didn't make nearly what I thought. Oh, now
2: the payrolls do. Right. Crap. June sucks. Right.
0: <laughs>
2: June's really July Fourth. July Fourth. Yeah. June's really hard too because I think you have like collective amnesia or something because you always think June's busier than it's going to be. Yep. And then it's nice. I mean, there's definitely more people than there were a month ago, but it's not like you. Th- I think you assume that it's Fourth of July starting Memorial Day, and it's right. just it's just not.
1: It's like you get your staff in. Nobody's trained. Now you you're running it. You have some really good people who stick with you, and you're doing a A year-round thing which is different but you get staff in they're not trained you ramp them up even memorial day they're not really that good but you go through the the hell of memorial day and you're like okay that'll pay off now for the next couple weeks and then they're like i actually don't have shifts for you for two weeks right
2: (laughs) there's nothing going on well that's hard too so even doing the year-round thing you know in winter we're a tiny little we've got a bar and four seats or four tables so we can do it on a pretty small staff and then we basically triple in size or double, you know, at least double in size. And then we have to staff up for that. And so I just don't necessarily see, like, nobody would design a, an economy like this. Right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so So it's, you're dealing with all the, the realities of, like, this is basically, we have three months maybe to, you know, or three and a half months to make 12 months worth of income, not just for us, but for anyone who works with us anyone who sells us things, you know, it's, it's a really, it's an odd waiting.
1: And then you're open for the rest of that time just to hopefully cash flow, keep people employed so you don't have a whole new staff the next year. Like I, I don't know how the people who are purely seasonal, like I, when, when I was running places, we were always year round and you, yeah, you have some new staff, but you still have a core of say like 16 people that are there every day all year getting better and better at their job all the time. and. Right. and but if you're a seasonal place like say Todd Frizzoni at the Ice Cream Factory where each year you have a couple people but I don't know maybe and I can't speak for sure for Todd but I'm guessing say like 80 to 90% of your staff are coming in cold. Right. <laughs> and like that'd be impossible.
2: Well, and what's the hardest thing about, you know, for me running a restaurant is the hardest part isn't the menu. It's not even the ordering necessarily. It's the the training up of staff and the hiring of staff, especially when yeah. there's, there's a, a you know hundred other restaurants trying to hire that same person. Why would they want to come work for me? Right. So, and then if it's like, you know, why do people work for you? I, I don't know. I'm sort of a maniac in disguise, I think, but, but I've always said about like bands, you know, bands are always kind of like having four girlfriends. So you've got to like each other, but not just two of you, three, you know, and then everyone else has to like each other. There's like permutations that happen. And, and I think restaurants are even worse where it's like, you have to want to work here. We have to want you to work here. And you have to have the right schedule. And more and more, we're seeing just sort of people being like, oh, yeah, I want to work here. But I can only do this. I can only do that. And also, I'm going to be gone these yeah. 40 days.
1: I need the 4th of July off and I need Labor Day off.
2: And it's like, I don't recognize that person. <laughs> you know what I mean from from when I was younger. So so I'm, it's just kind of a tricky.
1: No, oh, I hate that. You do all the restaurant stuff, and you're like, like, hey man, I really want to cook really good food, and I want people to have a great experience, and create this cool vibe. And it's, I'm managing towel and yeah. women reps. So yeah. That's what the job actually is. And yeah. payroll and QuickBooks. Oh yeah, and,
2: yeah. The fun. I I do get a good amount of the fun stuff, like the menus, mostly mine and Carnes. But you know, I would say it's eighty percent us, and then Vinny. We've got a really wonderful couple of cooks and hiring more. So if anybody hears this and wants to come cook for us, Vinny and Leo are just awesome in the kitchen. And um, we've got a new guy, Tom, who's doing great. Vinny's got a few things on the menu too, but...
1: Vinny learned everything he knew. That was at a little place called Dano's.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Vinny used to work for you. Yeah, that's right. It
1: was his first gig. Yeah.
2: He was a little kitchen tyrant when he was 16 too. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) So I've known Vinny a long time and love him to death. I don't want to say I'm surprised because I knew his credentials and stuff, but... I've been pleasantly watching him operate a kitchen. It's, it's been awesome. He's very clean and very organized and couldn't imagine a better fit, actually.
1: <laughs> so we sidetracked a lot about our, our stresses of, of restaurant life, but so yeah. mainly yours now. I've been out of it tw- 20 years, and it's still like half of what I talk about. Right. But your your complicated journey to getting to Hill Street. So for the listeners, so he, he buys Fish Creek Grill. Hill Street is what a long time ago was... Daddy's then still waters. Then it was taco cerveza. And so you have these both going on You get into fish Creek grill realize this is a big beast Then how does how does this And you had those other plans for hill street that you talked about How does it evolve into what you end up doing?
2: Well, basically the if i've got anything going on for myself, i'm i'm real I don't stop thinking about i'm kind of a dog with a bone So I don't stop thinking about things when they're occupying my attention. I don't like take a break for dinner or whatever. I'm like interrupting dinner to talk about these things with my wife who puts up with me for some reason. But so it was like, it w- the writing was kind of on the wall. It was like, there's no way we can do this. And I think it was maybe even like a couple days before we closed. So we we're about to close on both properties. There's no real good way out. And we get an email from Carrie at the Door County Auditorium. And she had expressed interest over there, but didn't know that this deal was in the in the works. And so I think she emailed Karen maybe. But um, basically I wake up, Karin's like, I just got this email, and she had said, Hey, I heard you guys were buying the property across the street. Let me just tell you what my thoughts were for it. You know, I think she was kind of her last gasp to maybe acquire it. And I don't know how huge her plans were at the time, like if she had been thinking about it for 10 years or what, but she obviously had put some thought into what she would do with the property.
1: I can say going back from years and years ago, my time on the programming committee there, that property was something that she and that committee had talked about, like, oh, maybe that's one thing we could do one day. Right. Maybe Or wouldn't it be great? But it was like the auditorium had so many bigger fish to fry at the time that it was more like a pipe dream.
2: Yeah. And so we take – and I'm like – So, I spent the next 24 hours just nonstop thinking about, okay, what does that do for us? Because we were basically feeling like we jumped off a cruise and didn't have whatever those circular floaties are. And so it was like, oh, but there's a life preserver over there. What do we, how can we turn this scary thing into a potentially like mutually beneficial thing? So, I thought about it, thought about it, and I was like, well, I can. I don't technically own my liquor license, but for all intents and purposes, I kind of own it. So I was like, well, I could transfer it to a different property. So I checked with the town to make sure that was doable. And I, you know, and basically formulated the plan for what is now Hill Street. And everything seemed to fall in line. And they got their their donors in line to make an offer. And we kind of made a deal with them to, to sell the property but keep the liquor license. So. Okay. So then we were able to transfer liquor license down, spent however long, like a year renovating, and got open in September. For
1: people who don't understand Wisconsin's liquor license laws, the reason that's an important part of that deal, some people are like, well, why don't you just get a liquor license for Hill Street? Like, you can't just do that. Fish Creek had a reserve liquor license that they had been sitting on and never been willing to dole out, which they are now
2: now now willing to dole out.
1: (laughs) So liquor license they have there's a limited number not to go deep into the weeds because you can go deep into the weeds on wisconsin liquor law but there are a limited number available and you can't just hey i'm opening a restaurant and now i have a a liquor license it's you can't go and apply for it if all of them are taken you can't just get one unless somebody gives one up and nobody gives them up on purpose because they're worth a lot of money yeah so like i you know northern grill when they got they went from the 300 seat liquor license to the hey, you can have a liquor license no matter how many seats you have licensed. There's two different versions that might have improved the property value there to like by like a hundred grand, right? Just by having that little change. So, these liquor licenses are extremely valuable, extremely rare to come by, right? And that's why when you got Fitch Creek Grill, it was important for you to transfer that down to Hill
2: Street. It wouldn't, none of this would have been possible without being allowed to do that because just you know, not, I'm not trying to be like a policy wonk or something, but basically running a restaurant is like a very slim margin business and specifically liquor is your highest, one of your highest margin items. So it allows you to say here, like if I was just serving you dinner and you were getting water, the amount of the the energy and time and money that has to go into that plate I would have to do you know you'd have to there's a reason that the successful businesses or restaurants in this world are like huge mega corporations because they have the volume so they if they make a nickel per transaction it doesn't matter because they're doing a billion transactions a year you need a, a lot of nickels right and and but for a small guy it's like there's no way so how do we make the margins seem slightly more attractive and um, and alcohol is one of those high margin items so
1: as long as your bartenders aren't drinking at all
2: exactly you can have well, that's, some. Um, that's what I have the cameras for. <laughs> yeah. I'm always watching.
1: So that transforms what was a beer and tacos place right before this. And it was the great beer and tacos place. And before that was Stillwaters, which is a great cheap lunch spot. Yeah. But you have a liquor license there, you can kind of transform what you what your options are, yeah. what kind of vibe you can create, what you can be a late night place, which right. we can talk about too. But like you get that open. All of this convoluted path ends right. up with you selling it to the auditorium, right. Fish Creek Grill to the auditorium, yep. and putting all your energy into Hill Street, down kind of
2: Kitty Corner from the Bayside, sort of. Yep. And so it's downtown corner. It's the outside in particular is very prominent. You can't miss it when we're open. And because we're a bar, and, and so Fish Creek again. It's funny because you and I know all this history, but not necessarily everybody else does. But yeah. Fish Creek had a couple bars downtown, so all the liquor licenses there's seven, I think, in the town. Most of them are outside of town. So like the Greenwood has one, Alexander's has one, English Inn has one. So there's not a there's not like for for a while now was Bayside was the only bar sh- shouldering the burden of of being the town bar, and so when the C and C Club was around, you know it was a much more everyone bounced between those yeah. two
1: places and had a great scene and yeah. kind of,
2: it's one of those, like you see a gas station on every corner of an intersection. It's like, well, that's cause you know where you're going to get gas and that benefits all four.
1: yeah. we uh, like Husby's in the bowl being right. right across the street. And so if one's, if one's having a lame night, right. Go next door. If one's having a band and you're like, all right, I need a break from the band. You go to the other one. It's like you get your lounge bar. That's what the CNC versus Bayside always was. Monday right. nights, CNC had taco night and, you go over there hang out get some street food go over to the bayside yep. for monday night live music right once the bayside got packed and the temperature got so you you're just gross and sweaty in there you're like i need a break i'm gonna go to the bayside yep. for a beer and then go
2: back to it Right. when well, we would always see people you know part of our crew you'd see them on the street going the opposite direction so it'd be yeah you know, it'd be oh you're heading over there what's it like over there and you'd be you'd have a quick talk and then you would meet up again later but it was like a constant, sort of. It was like right. an, a, an hour here, walk over, an hour there. And Fish Freak lost that when the CNC right. was open, Right.
1: About 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, something
2: like that. And so we're hoping to get that back going again. I've, I've got a good relationship with the Bayside, and um, some of the employees there are friends of mine, and, and we're hoping to have that sort of relationship again. Hey, you are you guys are packed. Send people our way. Or we're too small, especially in the winter. We're like a, a cozy spot. Well, yeah, come and see us. But you know, if you got a group of ten, you know, maybe maybe over there's better and and whatever. So
1: you're like, if you have like seven kids in your party, go to the Bayside. Yeah, oh, well. Bill Bill Butelman, he yeah, wants yeah, you over man. there. Yeah, <laughs> he loves kids. <laughs> um, when you reopen, though, you have like kind of that new model for Door County places, which a lot of people are doing now. But like, I think you're doing really well. Small menu. Yeah. Focus on stuff you can do really well which means I'm guessing you don't have to have training your staff is easier. Yeah. If you have 10 items versus 300, it's easier to go like, hey, do these 10 things well rather than maybe doing 200 things bad you yeah. know, or mediocre or something. Right. And right. you're doing it with kind of minimal service. I'm not, I don't mean that in terms of like your servers don't provide good service. I mean that in terms of you're getting a basket with a burger in it versus Plated service, sit at your table, wait on you. Right. All the, all those extras. Well,
2: and a lot of that is necessity. And a lot of that is coming out. You know, we don't, we just don't have, we're not, we don't have an abundance of people looking to work for us. So (laughs)
1: that's what they're getting at. Like this is a new model that a lot of people
2: are going to. So a lot of it's necessity. And then a lot of it is just, I'm a, I'm a former cook. Um, I'm a cook at heart, I would say. So a lot of it comes out of just like what I wouldn't do to go back in time and work that job. (laughs) <laughs> with some of the rules i'm implementing here you know it's like and those rules are no substitutions yeah <laughs> yeah no substitutions no modifications you know we're, we're not we're not trying to be jerks about it but a little bit No, uh, i think i'm just <laughs> sort of naturally a jerk sometimes but i'm not trying to be no it's it's coming out of a place of so we're already in a hiring lull there's not an abundance of people looking to work. Period, and I don't mean that in a global scale. I just mean there's a lot of businesses, and there's not as many people, so everyone's kind of yeah. And and so for for me, the hardest part of you know if I've got five different positions to hire for, the hardest one to hire for is my cooks. And I'm being a former cook. I thought about no subs and no mods, you know, 20 years ago. <laughs> um, and what it, if every I minute ever, of yeah, every day it's in the like kitchen? If, if I ever had. If I ever had that opportunity to have my own place, what would it look like? And for people who haven't ever cooked in a kitchen, there really is like a, like I used to get, I don't know what to call it, but I would get like almost dyslexic when you're really, really swamped. You've got all these tickets, you've got 20 different sandwiches, and they all have some weird thing that's abnormal about them. So yeah. this one doesn't have onions. This one doesn't have a bun. This one has extra mail. And so you're like, you're like, I would get the, to the point where I wouldn't be able to read yeah, uh, You know, like some sort of form of dyslexia. I don't know what you would call that, like line onset.
1: Yeah, you just can't, you can't, you can't process the information at a certain point. Which then because is you're stre- trying to focus
2: on it, and right. then you, you, you can't. And then you're already stressed because you're in the weeds. So this isn't like, this isn't us being like, our food is so amazing that you can't change it. It's more like, no, this is an attractive thing so that I can hire more cooks. and
1: It's probably the only reason Vinny works for you.
2: It might be, I don't know,
1: uh, but <laughs> I'm just giving Vinny crap. He, I know, I know. He's a good dude, soon to be dad. Yeah,
2: I'm excited about that.
1: So yeah, it just it makes the cook's life better. Yeah. It, it Makes, makes their sense. day. Like I'd say, like half of the arguments between waitstaff and cooks, or yeah. half of the things that get screwed up in a kitchen, right. are due to a substitution or modification. Yeah. Now at the same time, I also like I'm one of those guys. that can't eat peanuts. Right. Like, and back in the day, I used to scoff at if somebody said I'm allergic to onions I'm like who's allergic to onions or I'm That's allergic right to gluten right. like sure you are but then I'm like oh now you, as you get older you know those people and you're like oh that really that really sucks right. right but on the flip side in the kitchen you screw that up that means you have to it just sets you back yep. and if you're doing 300, 400, 500 a night yep. or even 100 it's just all those things are what end up creating the animosity between the server and the kitchen yep. and setting the whole service on fire
2: well and so operationally it's it makes everything smoother there's less mistakes from the front because you didn't you didn't forget to say no onions because you don't have that option to say no onions. so
1: or your server didn't come to the window and say, yeah that burger's half onions right half no onions right. on that burger and the one half is allergic to it right. because you get servers who will do
2: that kind right of thing. and so <laughs> you, you eliminate that which makes their life easier makes the cook's life easier. But unintended consequences that I wasn't really thinking about are, like, the food comes out so fast that people think we're, like, pre-making it. Like, it's really, really fast and consistent. I wasn't thinking about that when I made up the rule. I was thinking about making the life better for my cooks because that's a really hard job that doesn't probably get enough respect or or, uh, or whatever. And, well, that's how great is that? The food comes out really fast, and it's really consistent, and in my opinion, it's really good. What more could you ask it is for, really good. you know? So there's other little rules that we have that are getting more pushback than that. Like what? Come on. Well, I'll t- Yeah. <laughs> well, you well, have no takeout, right? No takeout. Because that's, again, you know, I don't need a full re- And when we're open, we got two bars, inside and outside. And you're dealing with that. You've got 20 tickets. You're turning some of them around so you don't have to read them, you know, because you can focus on them. To. And then all of a sudden, 15 sandwiches come in from some faceless person online like i don't want to do that to my guys and and um and again i'm not there's no no part of all my rules are like against modifying things or against substitutions or against to-go food or against ketchup which is a huge problem in my restaurant but um it's i I like ketchup i like taking food to go you know it's more just this particular restaurant and how we've designed things this is what works and it works really well
0: this episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kewanee Counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org careers. For people who need further background on this topic, go back to our
1: podcast with James Larson, where he responds to Yelp reviews and TripAdvisor <laughs> reviews when somebody says, I wanted this, but this dive bar didn't have it. And he says, you came to a dive bar. Yeah. I'm shocked you got dive bar food. Right. Like, <laughs> but that that's part of it. Like every restaurant doesn't need to be all those things. Right. And unfortunately for some people, it means they may not. Right. Like what you have to offer.
2: We might not be for everybody. And that's fine because I don't think we could handle. But if you want a good burger. Thank you. <laughs> it's a good burger. Well, and I think, too, that, I, you know, I get it. We are in the service industry. Part of our job is to serve people what they come to look, you know, what they're looking for. But I also think there's an element of Burger King went way too far with you can have it your way or whatever. And it just got to this point where everyone's like and then everyone got terrified of Yelp. In, in like the 2010s or whatever and, mm-hmm. and it was like so in the 80s and 90s it was you can have it your way and then Yelp happened and people thought I'm going to complain about this and restaurants were terrified mm-hmm. and they said oh well just take it for free then yeah. please so so sorry please don't please don't give us a bad review person that we just made food for and t- tried to take care of and maybe we failed because we're human and we fail sometimes please go home and sh <laughs> on us online <laughs> you know it's like I think there's an element of you can tell that like people actually like the rules in a weird way. Like yeah. n- 99 out of a hundred people that we serve are kind of either okay with it or they kind of dig it. And it's just that one out of a hundred people that, that we weren't going to please anyway. So, yeah. So it's working for us. And I think
1: we well, can kind of curate your clientele to some extent correct. too, you know, like another example of that roots in and kitchen in yep. sister Bay that used to be your classic, doilies bed and breakfast place and they changed the vibe there and they changed their clientele by doing it. Right. They, they were like, Hey, we're we, full disclosure. I used to get in fights with the people who had that place in its previous incarnation because they had a bed and breakfast located right next to a bar. And then they would complain about there being bar noise right. next door. And Hey, the bar was there first. Right. <laughs> so, so roots in a kitchen, the uh, the new owner's New seven, eight years ago, whatever it is, yeah. you know, they come in and they say, All right, we're going to, we're a bed and breakfast next to a bar. Let's create a bed and breakfast that caters to the kind of people who would want to be next to a bar. And so they've got, they change the vibe and they, they do phenomenally, I, yeah. I think, um, from all outward appearances.
2: Well, it's really, I mentioned that I, when I came back to town, I was looking to do like something. I didn't know what exactly, but I looked at a bunch of places and, and the inn and at Maple was one of them. And I looked at the Carroll House and I looked at the patio and i just really like that turns all, out you should have bought them all well yeah <laughs> but but, it, but it's what's fun about it for me is that like all none of those places are sitting there stagnant and and nothing's happening patio i heard is coming back mm-hmm. this july i think yeah i think so um you know roots obviously took over the inn at maple the people running the carroll house are awesome and i like what they're doing there mm-hmm. so like the thing that bothers you know so bringing out the cooker again the cooker is sitting there is And the owners aren't restaurant. They're just owners. They, they're like a development company from green Bay or something. So like, I'm not mad at them for not showing up, but like, it doesn't look good for the town. It's not good for all of us. Like there's something about, even if you don't like somebody, the fact that we're all kind of in it together feels good. And so when something's sitting there empty, it feels like it has an impact.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, you and I have had really long text threads about some of these kind of things. And You just mentioned a few of those places in Sister Bay, and I was explaining this, maybe it was to you, or maybe this was on the podcast, I can't remember. I spout off a lot, so it could be any particular venue. It could have been at the Bay's game, who knows. But Sister Bay got extremely fortunate, right? Like 10, 12 years ago, they happened to get a bunch of people who bought a bunch of restaurants and didn't know what they were doing, myself included. And that happened at, I won't name names, but like six, seven different key places were taken over and were closed or verge of closure or in foreclosure within like a one year span. And then the next wave, they happen to get extremely lucky with Chad James and John at Husby's. Mitch Larson takes over that corner business, which is now on deck, a guy who was born and bred in in sister Bay. Mike Dobner goes and takes over what was in a Christopher's and builds the boathouse out of it. Al's family finally does something with that empty lot next to uh, the restaurant. Britt comes in and opens another wild tomato. Like, You get a bunch of people who know how to run restaurants. And for the most part, people with deep local ties who care about the town happen to buy all those places. And the previous wave were some people like either trying to make quick buck, didn't know what they were doing, weren't invested in the town. So when it, when it didn't work perfect, just bounced. Right. And Fish Creek is in sort of a little bit of that stretch, maybe with some of the places where you don't have as many people doing what you're doing, where you're like, Hey, we're going to do something cool. We're committed to this town. I want to make this happen. And you know, it's, it's just a a lot of things to develop the town, but if you don't get that right mix of people who buy in, right, you don't get that. If you don't get Colin and, and Sarah at roots, roots that's, a, it's a totally a, different thing. Yeah, exactly. So you can plan all you want. You can invest right. all you want, but if you don't bring the right people along with you, yeah. it falls flat.
2: Nobody knows why the old Fish Creek Grill or whatever why it turned over ten times. I mean, I I don't think the idea that well that's just a doomed corner, which you've heard every time you've ever gone to is like oh nothing ever makes it there. It's like
1: it's not located. Alexander's just phenomenally right, right up the road. Exactly. In what you would call a worse location, technically, like not. And and
2: so who knows? Who knows why Greenwood this. for a hundred years was yeah, phenomenal. right. Well, I think too that, but that harkens back to. The idea that like Door County was something And it's not that thing anymore And I think What it was You know Some of us romanticize A little bit about going back there But What it was Was You know Supper clubs And Driving wasn't as Catastrophic of a Risk Which you know Obviously I guess that's Proof that the
1: It probably Actually it's probably more Catastrophic because more people Died in Driving Actually spent that But Your day to day risk of like Like it was accepted to do that So people would We do those things.
2: And so I think, you know, just the nature of how this community and this economy is responding to things that are mostly beyond our control is going to, you know, we can't be held to the idea that in order to be a success in Door County, you have to be a supper club or something like that. Right. There has to be some new and those things are happening. You know, I mean, I, I don't think anyone could name the last time a supper club was opened in Northern Door you know what I mean? Like, nah. who would who would even know which the last one was? Like, I don't know. But but you can go and say, oh, here's this tiny little spot, or here's this spot, or these people bought this place and turned it into something cool. And and I think that's the only way to. And now there's all these food trucks popping up, and then then getting shut down because things are you know like who knows why of or what we didn't see that violation when there was one food truck, but now there's 20, and we got to sort of see we're paying yeah. we're paying attention now. Like. So it's all kind of just a constant reaction to what's what's going on. But you know, um, back
1: to the, that supper club thing. So Grant Ackett's in Chicago, the guy who El- has a one of the great restaurants in the city, he opened a supper club, the St. Clair Supper Club, which is basically a Wisconsin his play on a Wisconsin Supper Club. And but even his version of it is like I don't know, like a 12 table, right. small place, you know? <laughs> so there are places that are mimicking Wisconsin supper clubs, yep. but nobody's going, I shouldn't say nobody, there are a couple, but like, for the most part, they're not saying I want to have a 300 right. seat place that I got to turn four times right. on a Friday night.
2: Well, and I, I think that people romanticize restaurants a little bit. So you might have this other career and say, I'm going to retire to Door County and do a little restaurant or something. And more power too. I, I wish everyone success, but it's like, I look at that and I'm like, my eyes get buggy and I'm like, oh God, why? What are you thinking? But the, the nice thing about what we're doing, and, and this was mostly by design, some of it was just, you know, we were limited. You know, the limitations provided us a pathway to, to what we're doing. We're really small in the winter. Yeah. You know, we, we shrink. And then when, when there's no people around, we're nice and cozy. But then when there's a bunch of people around, we expand. We're like a blowfish, basically and so (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: which is most of your soundtrack too Hootie right right.
2: but you know we we weird choice I was kind of surprised by that but But we so we blow up in size to match the demand we have that luck I guess that, that that's the way that our building is formed and we didn't really have the setbacks and all the restrictions we wouldn't have been able to tear down the building and build whatever we wanted there and so so we're kind of trying to straddle both lines where it's like we are tiny actually and we have a ton, we have a much smaller crew managing what's almost the same size as the cookery to be honest but with a third of the staff hmm. well how are we able to do that well it's because we have that accordion like we're, we're big when we need to be and we're small when we need to be yeah. so smaller menu yeah small menu not doing table that's, service that's 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 my number one every time i've ever i've been working cook- in kitchens for 25 years and well that can't be true Twenty years. Anytime anybody asks me any advice, I'm like, your menu's too big. Why do you have ten burgers? Why do you have why do you have thirty different sandwiches, you know? And that's not because I'm critical of you know, I like a Reuben more than anybody or, or as much as anybody. But like you only have corned beef and sauerkraut in the restaurant taking up shelf space and fridge space for one sandwich that sells. Let's look at the numbers. Oh, you sold four hundred of them last year. Get, just eliminate it, you know. And so But Jerry Right. Exactly. The mason comes in and he loves a Reuben. Right. Well, so then the other option is if you really want to keep the, the Reuben, figure out something, you know, make a corned beef and sauerkraut soup.
1: Yeah.
2: And make that one of your things. But, but if you're not going to do that, just get rid of it and you'll, your staff will thank you. Everything will come out better. You're, you know, you'll free up space for more of whatever you're keeping. So that's kind of like all of, all of these things that we're doing are out of that sort of like why are we doing it this way? Oh, to please those people. I don't, I think they'll be pleased if they just try it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, we're not trying to like, you you brought up allergies earlier. I, we've thought through the entire menu and my brother-in-law is legitimately celiac diseased and can't have like bread or anything. And then is dairy intolerant. And so he's in the back of my mind of like, there's gotta be, he's gotta be able to come here and have a meal. And so we're, we're considering all these people, and we can't hit everything. I just found out uh, somebody's allergic to lettuce, and I had never heard that before. And I was like, well, the next three burger specials have no lettuce on them. <laughs> so it's like we're not trying to be like, oh, sucks to be you. You can't have our burger ever. Like we're thinking about all these things, but in the actual, like, nobody would do this without it being like, like I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing just for fun. Like this is a business, and we're trying to make it run smoothly. Yeah and be good for all of our employees and be good for all of our customers. But I wouldn't serve 500 people a day or whatever food, even though I love doing that. I wouldn't do that without it being like a business. So <laughs> so we have to have a certain amount of rules and we have to have a certain amount of like, this is how we do things. And it might come across the wrong way. And if you catch me at the wrong time, I might be more of a jerk than <laughs> than at other times. But... But we're ultimately, like the main thing we're trying to do is we're trying to please people and we're trying to f- feed them and get them loose, you know.
1: You know what I was just thinking is, as you were talking a couple minutes ago, is how the macro economy of Door County allows this to happen now. And I think it was as we were talking about, like, well, we got to keep that Ruben on because this one guy likes it. Because 20, 20, 25 years ago, it was really important to keep every single one of those one guys who came in for the chicken dinner or this thing or some random beer that you stocked six of Right. Just for that guy. And which is still a cool thing about a small town as well, that you would do that kind of thing. But now that there's enough people here coming here, like people complain about the tourists. 10, 12 years ago, we everyone thought it was impossible to have, say like sushi in Door County right. or fusion bowls or tacos and like gourmet tacos or fine dining restaurant or a fine dining restaurant that was open in the winter at all. Like, all that stuff we always thought was impossible because you couldn't turn over. You couldn't have enough people. You could, didn't have enough people who would try this specialty item. And now we can have specialty restaurants. One, because we finally thought about it, but also because there's enough people here that just like, there's a critical mass that you don't have to appeal to all of them. You can go, Hey, I have, I can carve out a business out of the people who will put up with
2: Scott. Right. right. And, you know, mm-hmm. So <laughs> so that vanishing number. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: and both I, of them. Yeah, <laughs>
2: both all two people. But they, I think too, it's like I've always kind of been of the opinion that if I was trying to please everyone, which I'm, you know, it's it's weird reto- rhetoric or or semantics or something, but it's like if I was trying to please trying to please everyone, I would probably please less than I'm doing now. You know what I mean? So like it's like the yeah. juggle, it's like juggling four balls. You're going to drop all four but if you just struggle 3 you can do it all day. Yeah. It's that kind of approach where you know and also shout out to Kenny Shopson who's passed away but he said in a documentary that I love and I've seen a million times called I like killing flies but he said something along the lines of like what am I supposed to do like other than be open for 30 years serving you food like and in his and that was a response to you know do you feel bad about you know, not pleasing everyone or when somebody's upset or whatever. It's like, what am I supposed to do other than what I've been doing for 30 years? Like, nobody else is in this building feeding you for 30 years. That's me. And obviously I don't have 30 years under my belt at, at Hill Street, but there's an element of, like, when people are really upset, they have the option to just go and not come back. And that's fine. Like, I'm, I'm not going to take it personally. Like, we're not for everybody. But if you come at us about it, it's, there's, a, there's an element of, like, what do you want from me? And now you're, you know, you're poking the bear a little bit, and I'm going to get mad, because <laughs> like we're not trying to ruin your day. Clearly, yeah, you know, nobody in this building is trying to ruin your day. So we're trying to make your day better, and if we failed at that, I'm sorry. But what do you want from me? You know,
1: you know, we we talked a lot about this philosophy and stuff, but I don't think we actually told the listeners like if they have no idea what Hill Street is, what's like three four lines to describe what your restaurant is.
2: Hill Street is just trying to f- well, we're a bar. We've got an indoor bar. That's open. Basically We call it year-round, but it's basically like 10 11 months depending um, and then we have got an outdoor bar that opens from May 1st to Halloween and in, in addition to no substitutions and no modifications We also don't have a jukebox and you can't get ketchup because we make our own house condiment um, I like how you put this in your. This is your elevator speech. Yeah, what you can't do yeah. <laughs> See, <it's- laughs> and And basically, none of that is, like, I developed the condiment. It's called Highway 42 Sauce. We make our own steak sauce called Highway 57 Sauce, which goes into Highway 42 Sauce because that's how dumb I am. (laughs) But it's basically a mix of, like, mustard, ketchup, mayonnaise, our our house steak sauce. I developed it to be a catch-all to please everyone in the sense of, like, what do you do? You put ketchup and mustard on a burger. You should like this. But the reasoning behind it was we have very limited space, so I don't have room for cases of bottles of Heinz ketchup, you know. I just don't – we don't have the space for it. So – and then also I hate crusty – Crusty ketchup bottles. Crusty ketchup bottles is like the biggest pet peeve of mine when I go to a restaurant, and filling ketchup bottles is a pain, so I don't want my staff to have to do that. So it all has – it has multiple reasons for it, but it's also really good. And so, (laughs) (laughs) I mean – I mean, not everyone likes it, but again, we're getting back into philosophy. Um,
1: this is your long elevator speech I know. for your Sorry. restaurant. You? Yeah. So,
2: all right, where, where was I? We're a <laughs> Scott bar. Scott is a marketing whiz. Yeah. Yeah. Here's all the things I'm going to tell you know about. <laughs> um, we're a bar. Good vibe. The reason we don't have a jukebox is because there's nothing worse than having some vibey thing going on, and then somebody comes in with a completely different vibe of a song, or a bachelorette party shows up and wants to play Taylor Swift for the next two hours which nothing against Taylor Swift or bachelorette parties. But, <laughs> but if it's not fitting the vibe of what's going on, then it's just going to be this weird dissonant thing. That yeah, the digital
1: jukebox killed everything yeah. because
2: it used to be you could go, we're this kind of bar,
1: and you fill the jukebox right. with the music that fits that bar. You slide in a couple other albums here and there right. for like the random day or... But, you know, Minker River Basin used to have, you know, beat Metallica and all this stuff and hard rock. And that was the vibe you got there. And husbands would have a little bit softer vibe of that, but some of the same stuff. Unfortunately, for a long time, we had Frampton's double album on there, which some people would come and play the entire double album, which was um, infuriating. <laughs> right, but, sure. Or some people would play the Metallica with the orchestra. What the heck was that one? Um, the same? Was it San Francisco Symphony or whatever? But I don't know. which I which I loved, but I didn't really want that for like my dinner crowd. Right,
2: or five nights a week when you get that regular who plays the same four songs, or, or you know. <laughs> You know, it's, so, so again, we're still on philosophy, I guess, but basically like we're trying to craft a bit of a, we're a bar that's trying to create not only with our menu and our food, but also the atmosphere that's just sort of not up here. It's not like a Northwoods bar, which I love Northwoods bars, but we have a few of those up here that I love. Husby's is probably my favorite bar of all time. So, but what am I going to do? Kind of try to be the Fish Creek version of Husby's? Well, we, we have a a classic tavern across the street. It's called the Bayside that everybody knows already. So we're, we're sort of like, you'd have to shoot a moose, I guess. Yeah. to have something. So we're trying to like set ourselves aside in the sense of our food is a little bit different and funky and, and very good, but, but it's not for everybody necessarily. And our vibe is a little bit funky and not for everybody, but we like it. And people seem to like it. And you said you've
1: never been to this bar. I, I think you said this, but like if anyone's been to the California Clipper in Chicago, it's kind of, Somewhat of that vibe with the like red booth seats and everything. California Clipper is a favorite of mine from Chicago, so nice. play like honky tonk music and yeah. <laughs> random stuff. But
2: well, and you know, Karen and I had eight. We had three construction projects in eighteen months during COVID. So we you're
1: really good at life.
2: Well, no, or really bad at it. <laughs> but um, but basically, you know, we we developed that. And this was our third. History was the third one. We got good at that sort of back and forth ideating where you know i'm not good at computers or anything so we were posting we were just taping up pictures of stuff on the wall and then that would come down and something else would replace it And so so we were sort of i went to art school so it was very natural for me to have kind of a it was like a a big thesis project basically and i think it came together pretty well it's not done yet but we had to get open because we were just hemorrhaging money constantly for the last three years but so it's it's still a work in progress, which also is nice. Like if it was done, I would almost be done with it. If that makes sense, like yeah. I I don't like being there when we're not busy because I need I need to keep it going, or I am going to sit down, like I said before, and like not rev the gears back up. So, mm-hmm. so I like that there we're still kind of changing things. And the
1: it's nothing worse than a slow restaurant shift.
2: Oh my god, I feel so bad. Our inside bartenders, since it's been nice and the outside bar has been open, they're just inside. When you're when you're busy, even if you're slammed
1: and you're like ten deep in the weeds, it's like it's more fun to be in that situation than it is to be
2: dead. And we've always unless you're ravenously hung Yeah. Well, yeah, but then you don't want to be at work at all anyway. (laughs) But um, we've always we always remember that like June is that month where people are going to complain because it's not busy enough, and then two weeks from now they're going to complain that they're too busy, and it happens every single year because Door County is that insane. Like, why did we figure this was the way to have an economy? But we're up, you know, we're on the cusp of about to be too busy. But you don't see that in June when you're sitting in the bar by yourself and yeah. everyone's outside having a good time, and you're you're stuck inside <laughs> looking out the window. Like, is anyone going to come and have a drink with me? Um, so I feel really bad to all my inside bartenders. But so if you if you hear this, go inside and say hi at least. Don't just don't just use the bathroom and then go. Go sit and talk to the bartender Because they're probably bored out of their minds
1: You should mention that you have put that liquor license to you so you do have a really cool cocktail menu as well So a good reason to go visit those bartenders
2: Yes, exactly Yeah,
1: We are creeping up on an hour, Scott And we didn't even get to the Bays The Packers
2: <laughs> Well, you're just going to have to have me back Door I counting
1: politics Town I mean, and How they're, they're, they're going to decide the liquor license In the town of Gibraltar ooh. that they're handing out we got a lot to cover. We we'll might have to do a series of podcasts that d- will have diminishing returns in terms of
2: listenership. Yeah. But, well, um, you know, you know that if you put a mic in front of me, I'll just keep talking. So.
1: <laughs> and maybe maybe we'll we'll do an eight or nine episodes, and by the end of it, you can you can give a one paragraph synopsis of your restaurant.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe by then I'll be able to do it. But, <laughs> but thanks for coming down, man. Thank
1: I'm you. Glad I caught you on a on a day where you could swing on over, and uh, I know those days are going to be. Probably pretty rare in the next couple of months, so
2: Yeah, I've only missed ten calls. I took two and <laughs> it, missed ten. Yeah, calls. for the <laughs> listeners, his phone's been blown up the entire time. <laughs> so <laughs> So I should check in and make sure nothing's on fire.
1: All right. Yeah. Go back to your restaurant being on fire. That'd be actually perfect because we would get a lot of web hits if your if your restaurant's oh, yeah. on fire. I mean that, that catastrophe
2: sells. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. I go around and I burn down people's restaurants just to
0: get just for those clicks. Yeah. You know. All right. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, buddy. It's been good talking to you. Yeah, you too.